You are listening to News and Views, the Quint's podcast series where we introduce you to some of the greatest minds across different fields through in-depth interviews. You can check out episodes of this series and all other podcasts by The Quint on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nishtha Gautam and I'm in conversation with Dr. Tarun on all things constitution. So, uh, Dr. Tarun, how many marks would you give to Indian constitution if you were to judge like a Miss Universe contest <laughs> the different constitutions across the world? <laughs> I would give very high marks. I think, you know, we, we are worthy of winning the Miss Constitution Miss World Constitution, sash and crown and tiara. Uh, but, you know, the point is, as Ambedkar Sahib himself said, uh, he said that a constitution is only as good as its implementation. So a good constitution can be wrecked by bad implementation and a bad constitution can be made good by good implementation. So a lot depends on how we make it work. And there, there have been ups and downs. And certainly in recent years, we have the real impression that much of the spirit of the constitution has been uh, given... Uh, the, the, the let go. I mean, if you look, for example, at some of the actions of the government uh, involving the minorities, uh, even something like the Citizenship Amendment Act, which for the first time introduced a religious criterion uh, for the grant of fast track citizenship, uh, it goes right, it drives you know, a coach and horses through the entire concept of a constitution where your religion, your caste, your language, your region is not supposed to matter in terms of your rights as a citizen. So all of these things, to my mind, are troubling. Uh, there are other examples, the, uh, the the tightening of the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, which suddenly means that people can be jailed without formal court charge and without bail uh, for an indefinite period of time, which is extraordinary in terms of the rights the Constitution guarantees Indian citizens. So all these things have changed in many ways the spirit of the, of the Constitution. But I'm sure there, there are a lot of things that uh, Indians have a lot to look forward to and be proud of when it comes to our constitution. Right. Well, look, for 75 years, we've had this constitution guiding us in very many constructive ways. It's brought about everything from land reform to increased women's rights. There have been constructive amendments. Panchayati Raj has come in. We've had the wonderful uh, Supreme Court judgments that have expanded human rights in our country. We've had, uh, for example, the uh, the right to privacy was a, a new concept that came in a few years ago. Um, meanwhile, the, the Constitution has been supplemented by a whole framework of legislation, including things like the Right to Information Act, the Right to Education Act, the Right to Employment through Manrega, the Right to Food Security, all of which have given Indians a series of rights that in many extraordinary ways uh, have, have bestowed upon them things they've never had before. And, and the fact that ours is a rights-bearing citizenry is very much to the credit of the Constitution of India. Right. Um, as a parliamentarian, uh, has it occurred to you that uh, the whole paradigm, you know, uh, has to change or to evolve when it comes to constitutional amendments? Well, we've had over 100 amendments, but I'm not sure that's part of the weakness of the Constitution. In some ways, the fact that the Constitution can be amended is a sign of its inherent strength and flexibility. When you think some of our neighboring countries have already been through three or four different constitutions, um, 
ours was designed in such a way that given enough political will, you can amend it. And that means that you're in a position to keep the constitution flexible in terms of current needs and current priorities. So um, I don't see this as a weakness yet. Um, and certainly the basic structure doctrine in any case gives it a bedrock foundation that cannot be lightly tampered with. So I would say the constitution has stood the test of time. Right. Uh, but do you think that when it comes to a strong majoritarian government, you know, which has come with a great mandate uh, from the people, if they assert their will to uh, bring about certain amendments in the constitution, it should be all right. Then why would the opposition party oppose such a See, again, as Dr. Ambedkar pointed out, and he anticipated all of this um, during the Constituent Assembly itself, he said that governments should realize that all majorities are temporary. The, the government at the moment is a majority government, though even there again, as, as Ambedkar warned, there is a difference between a communal majority and a political majority. And though the uh, BJP thinks it has a political majority, in fact, because its vote base rests entirely on its appeal to, to Hindu voters, it is still a communal majority. And Dr. Ambedkar warned that this cannot be used to ride roughshod over other sections of our society. I would say that, um, that if the government were to amend the constitution in the direction of creating a Hindu Rashtra or making Hindi the official national language or any of these other pet themes that we've heard BJP MPs articulate from time to time, then I think there will be resistance. And I think that resistance is, is emerging very much from the same spirit that Dr. Ambedkar cautioned in his famous speech um, at the conclusion of the deliberations on, in the Constituent Assembly in November 1949. And his point that you, you simply have to understand that minority rights must be respected because since you have a majority, and this is very much a majoritarian government, you actually have a greater duty to be sensitive to and to respect the needs and wishes of the um, minorities. Right. Um, when it comes to knowing uh, our constitution, do you think that uh, as citizens, as, uh, as people of India, we, the people of India, actually know our constitution well enough? If not, what can be done about that? Well, you know, one thing that people are beginning to really get to know is the preamble. Because during a lot of, for example, during the CAA protests, a lot of people reading the preamble out in public places and more on social media and so on. I've heard of uh, some police officers putting uh, copies uh, of the preamble in English and Hindi in their station, police station walls, things like that. The preamble is getting known. But is there anyone other than professional lawyers who knows the entire constitution and all the 103 amendments? I, I, I'm not sure that that's... Uh, that's really the case with the average citizen of India, and nor should we expect it to be. I mean, we already have one of the longest constitutions in the world. It would be unreasonable to expect people to know it inside out. What they should know, however, is that there is a constitution. It guarantees our democracy, our human rights, and that if there is an issue where you feel a sense of being aggrieved, you know you can turn to lawyers and say that surely this is not permitted under our constitution, and you may well be right. Right. Uh as, as a student and, uh, you know, you, you join the bureaucracy and the bureaucrats are supposed to live by the constitution. 
Did you manage to do that in your career? No, but I, I didn't work inside India and I didn't join the Indian government service. I'm not an IAS or IFS person. I went straight into the United Nations service. So there I had a much simpler constitution, the UN Charter, which only had eight chapters, nine chapters, and, and was much simpler to digest and manage. And there um, it was a different, different system. But I would say from what I know of my peers and friends who have joined the bureaucracy, um, they have done so uh, on the basis of some pretty rigorous training. And I think they all, depending on how much attention they were paying, I guess, in their training courses, have come out with a pretty clear understanding of how far they can and cannot go under our constitutional provisions. So I'm not sure that's entirely a problem, Nishtha. But remember, a bureaucrat also has this entire culture of precedent and process and so on. And that, to my mind, has been a bit of a problem in our country because sometimes our bureaucracy is genuinely too process-oriented and doesn't focus enough on the outcomes of the decisions they take. I would like to see the Constitution and all the systems emerging from it as instruments of change. That's where Ambedkar saw it. He saw the Constitution and the rule of law as ways to bring about a social transformation in India. But do you think our Constitution is more process-oriented or outcome-oriented? I would say the Constitution cannot be blamed for one thing or the other. It's how it's implemented. The Constitution lays out a framework. Then you have to put the scaffolding. That's the scaffolding. You have to put the building up. And the building is in a constant process of construction. So as we construct the building of our democracy, the edifice of our democracy, the Constitution is the scaffolding on which we build it. And, and of course, the basic structure is the foundation. That's the way to imagine it. Now, you're keeping on building floor after floor, and some of the 100 floors you've built are actually very impressive and give long-lasting rights and benefits. Uh, but occasionally, if you're throwing people off from one of the high floors, then you've got a problem. And it's, it's the way in which the Constitution is implemented that matters. And that's what Dr. Ambedkar consistently warned us about. Last question. Do you have a wish list of amendments as a parliamentarian, as a citizen of this country, that you would want? No, you know, I, I have lots and lots of private members' bills, which are laws, but very few of them involve amending the Constitution because I think, you know, we have to work the Constitution we have. Personally, again, like Dr. Ambedkar, I might have preferred a presidential system to a parliamentary one because I think the parliamentary system is not so much suited to the Indian genius as the presidential one would have been, given the fact that our voters tend to vote for individuals much more than for ideologies or parties, with very rare exceptions. But that's an academic conversation because we have the constitution, we have all sworn allegiance to it, and we have to make it work. So in that sense, um, my wish list is if this system has to work, then let's work it in as democratic a manner as possible. Um, one of the things that I wouldn't mind uh, seeing amended or even dropped altogether is the anti-defection law. Not because it wasn't well-intentioned, it was, but because in practice it has stifled the uh, legislative autonomy of individual MPs. Uh, another thing that we could look at very uh, closely, I'm not coming to a conclusion yet, is the role of governors. We've had too many incidents now of clashes between governors and state governments, and we need to ask whether this is really necessary. So things like that, there are issues that need examination. Just as I agree with uh, late President Pranam Mukherjee that the Indian Penal Code, which really goes back to the colonial era, could be completely rewritten to bring it up to date with the requirements of modern democratic India. So also there's no harm in looking at some of the constitutional provisions and seeing if we can uh, update some of them. But I'm, I'm not in a, in a hurry to do any wholesale amending. Uh, I think let's work the constitution we've got as well as we can work it. And in a democratic spirit, 
remembering that its principal purpose is to enhance the rights available to our citizens. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on Instagram at The Quint and tell us who you want us to speak to next. And check out our website, thequint.com, for more groundbreaking reports and videos. This was Nishtha Gautam, and I will see you in the next one. This episode was executive produced by Shelly Walia and Ritu Kapoor, edited by Anjali Palod, and theme music is from BMG Production. You were listening to The Quint's podcast. Podcast.